The 200-odd employees of New Strategies were worried. It was late June 1999. New Strategies was one of five companies run by Don LaPree, an energetic pitchman whose success seemed to be built on nothing but goofy charisma. Most of those present were telemarketers. They did not work in offices or even cubicles, just one long room and rows of desks with computers stretching into the distance. Massive billboards lined the walls, featuring skimpy bikini models on tropical beaches and the promise of a better life. By the end of the day, the telemarketers had only made $120,000. Chump change. Especially since the company was rumored to have lost millions on Lepre's ill-advised pet projects. However, the boss himself was cheery when he called a company meeting. According to an interview with a former employee in the Phoenix New Times, Lepree told everyone to go home, get a good night's rest, and be ready to come back the next day to a brand new company. Everything would be better in the morning. Instead, they came back to bad news. Most of them were being laid off. The company was bankrupt. Lepree was bankrupt. Again, the ever-positive pitchman suddenly turned dark when he got up in front of his employees, wept, and said, If I had a gun right now, I'd shoot myself. Welcome to Con Artists, a podcast original. I'm Alastair Murden. Every week, we peel back the layers of history's greatest deceptions and tell the stories of the hustlers, swindlers, and fraudsters that orchestrated them. I'll dive into their psychology, break down their tricks, and explain why anyone might fall for a con. You can find all episodes of Con Artists and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Con Artists for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Con Artists in the search bar. This week, we're covering the rise and fall of the king of infomercials, Don LaPree. In the 90s, LaPree made a fortune by convincing people that they could make thousands of dollars by operating 900 numbers. After declaring bankruptcy, LaPree rebounded in the early 2000s by marketing a nutritional supplement called the greatest vitamin in the world. It turned out to be a pyramid scheme that enabled LaPree to swindle millions. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Hi, I'm Blair. Want to hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. 
That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Don LaPree represents the best and worst of America. Born to a poor family, he became a self-made millionaire thanks to his natural charisma. But his relentlessly optimistic personality concealed a shrewd con man. For years, LaPree was the master of the TV sales pitch. His infomercials, particularly the one where he boasted that anyone could make a fortune by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers, made him rich. He was popular enough to be joked about on The Late Show with David Letterman and parodied by David Spade on Saturday Night Live. Behind the kooky magnetism, however, was a troubled, deceiving huckster. LaPree would do anything to be successful, lie, cheat, steal, and break the law. He made a fortune by selling a lie and doing it better than just about anyone else in the business. And when he lost all hope of being successful, he had nothing left to live for. Don LaPree was born in Rhode Island in 1964. As a child, he moved with his parents and four siblings to Sunnyslope, a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. As journalist Lee Farr writes in her article about LaPree for the Phoenix New Times, LaPree's family struggled to make ends meet. His mother worked at Utotem, a convenience store, while his father ran a house painting business and often suffered from debilitating back problems. Young LaPree helped his family by collecting discarded furniture and selling it at a local park and swap. The LaPrees were about as normal as normal gets, suburban, working class, and average in every possible sense. Like most Americans, they no doubt dreamed of finding a slice of prosperity for themselves. On the surface, Don LaPree seemed no different than the millions of other kids destined to follow their parents into blue-collar obscurity. But LaPree was born with a quirk. His passion was infectious. Hearing him speak, it was hard not to be swept away. When this passion, combined with an immense desire to pull himself out of poverty, LaPree was on his way to being a self-made millionaire. As a teenager, it seemed unlikely LaPree would ever see the success he craved. He fell one credit short of graduating from Sunny Slope High School. He was, at the time, already working a full-time job. Rather than earn his diploma, he elected to work for his father's house painting company. But he wouldn't stay there for long. LaPree had the enterprising spirit, and in 1988, he started a dating service, his first company. At about this time, he also began dating Sally Redondo. They eloped to Las Vegas shortly after. Virtually penniless, LaPree couldn't afford to give his new bride a wedding ring. To make matters worse, upon their return to Phoenix, the groom had a surprise for his new bride, he was $35,000 in debt. Sally chose to stick by her man. They would eventually have two children together. LaPree had the habit of calling his wife and two children his three best friends, and Sally became LaPree's business partner. Their partnership did not get off to an auspicious start. 
just two months after launching the dating service, Lepre declared Chapter 7 bankruptcy and shuttered the business. But the ever-optimistic Lepre wasn't one to be kept down. After getting back on his feet by painting houses, he and Sally opened a credit repair business called Unknown Concepts in 1990. It was Lepre's first foray into the world of scamming, duping, and defrauding. For a mere $37, Unknown Concepts offered a package of credit cards, loans, and discount vacations. However, customers did not actually receive credit cards. Instead, they purchased the names of other companies that offered credit cards. And rather than discount vacations, Lepre merely provided the oh-so-useful tip that a customer should check with a travel agent for special discounts. It was like Lepre sold a coupon book. But when the purchaser opened it, they only found advertisements for restaurants. The package was a bait-and-switch, a pretty basic con elevated by Lepre's brilliance for false advertising. The Arizona Attorney General's office was not impressed. It charged Mr. and Mrs. Lepre with violating the state's Consumer Fraud Act and barred them from operating or participating in any credit services organization. They were also forced to pay $5,000 in restitution to their customers. Undaunted, Lepre soon launched a new scheme. This time, it was a manual detailing how to recover a Federal Home Association insurance refund after paying off a mortgage. The 36-page manual cost $0.60 cents to manufacture and retailed for $85. Lepre later boasted that sales of the manual were making him over $1,000 a day. Lepre expanded his efforts when a friend helped him set up a scam involving premium-rate telephone numbers. A premium-rate telephone number, or 900 number, provides services at higher-than-normal rates, most often used for sex lines and phone scams. Lepre placed 1,100 ads in newspapers all across the country, where he advertised a variety of 900 numbers, all of which charged $2.99 per minute. For a hefty fee, he would sell these 900 numbers to customers, so that whenever someone called in, the customer would make money. Then, Lepre would help advertise the 900 number by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. The appeal was that it would take little effort and would open a constant stream of income. Of course, Lepre made it all sound far more lucrative than it was. In 1992, Lepre launched The Making Money Show with Don Lepre, a broadcast cable infomercial. The flagship product was a package of booklets and tapes called Money-Making Secrets. These secrets mostly concerned placing ads in newspapers and operating a 900-number business. In the infomercial, Lepre boasted that by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers, he was able to make $50,000 a week from his tiny one-bedroom apartment. Why a married father of two making $50,000 a week was still living in a one-bedroom apartment went unexplained. Lepre also interviewed supposed satisfied customers who, by using his methods, were suddenly depositing $1,000, $2,000, even $3,000 checks every day. They remarked on how easy it all was, 
that all they had to do was place a few tiny classified ads, and suddenly, without any further effort, they were raking in tens of thousands of dollars. The money-making secrets package included multiple tapes and booklets. Most featured a smiling Laprie on the cover, posing in front of piles of cash, holding stacks of cash, and watching cash literally rain down upon him. One booklet, Buying and Selling, offered such trenchant business secrets as Don't Quit Your Day Job and Decide on What You're Going to Buy and Sell. Another booklet, called The Secrets to Don Lapree's Most Successful Campaigns, with three exclamation points, recommends checking your 900 line often to make sure it's working properly. On the VHS tape, Lapree's 11 Secrets to Success, one of Lapree's 11 secrets is, quote, get rid of your ugly friends. Lapree's ridiculous claim that anyone could make thousands of dollars by placing tiny classified ads became something of a mid-90s meme. The infomercial was joked about on late-night talk shows, while Lapree and his silly pitch was parodied by David Spade on Saturday Night Live. For years, Lapree's half-hour infomercial was among the top 10 TV infomercials in the country. Its success was likely due both to those who watched it as a joke and those who really believed that by following Lapree's secrets, they could get rich quick. The infomercial promised that anyone, anyone, could make $50,000 a month or more with little effort and no previous experience, simply by starting 900 numbers and placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. Of course, the claims on Lapree's infomercial seemed too good to be true, but that was part of what made them so alluring. According to a 2012 study published by the Association for Consumer Research, infomercials which frame their products as unbelievable or too good to be true are often more successful than ads which take a more practical approach. To quote, individuals often accept information as true unless they explicitly evaluate it as false. In the case of infomercials, it is possible that curiosity about the claims and difficulty in directly refuting them because of their convincing visual presentation inhibits the rejection process. Paradoxically, by openly acknowledging that a product is too good to be true, consumers become more curious about it and unconsciously wish to test it out. The combination of curiosity and an appealing visual style, like money literally raining down on the pre, made money-making secrets a huge success. Further, the Association for Consumer Research study also suggests that just by being on TV, infomercials gain a sheen of official approval, as if it couldn't get onto the airwaves without a grain of truth. The money-making secrets package was just the gateway to more fleecing by Lapree's staff. According to one of Lapree's own sales reps, most of the stuff in money-making secrets isn't information on how to run a business. It's basically giving you a number to call Don so he can sell you something else. For only $39.95, discounted from $79.95, customers received money-making secrets. After making this unfortunate purchase, 
Lepre's customers were subsequently bombarded by calls from telemarketers offering 900 numbers and websites for psychic readings, sports, dating, and chat. Setting up one of those could cost as much as $850. These calls were then followed by more calls, offering to arrange TV advertising for the customer's phone lines, for an additional fee, of course. Those who paid for the additional numbers and websites often found that they were never set up. If they tried to reach out to a customer service representative at Lepre's company, they could rarely get through. And if customers did manage to reach someone, they would often be disconnected, redirected to an answering machine, or given a lame excuse. For instance, if a customer paid for a catalog but didn't receive it, someone at Lepre's company might say that Lepre didn't like the way the catalog looked and was in the midst of redesigning it. Lepre offered a 30-day money-back guarantee, but the Better Business Bureau of Central and Northern Arizona received numerous complaints that Lepre was slow in delivering products and refunds. Further, customers claimed that his money-making secrets was deceptive and its earnings opportunities were exaggerated. Lepree insisted that the number of complaints was minuscule compared to his total customers, which he estimated to be in excess of three and a half million. Nevertheless, the Better Business Bureau advised extreme caution when dealing with Lepree's company. Considering that Lepree had made some $40 million off money-making secrets, he probably didn't care about what the Better Business Bureau had to say. He was a self-made millionaire. He had achieved the American dream. And he was about to blow it all in spectacular fashion. Coming up, we'll explore how Lepree squandered the fortune he worked so hard to swindle. Hi everyone, it's Alastair, and I have some very exciting news to share. I'm hosting a new podcast original series that exposes the dark, disturbing, and deadly side of medicine. It's called Medical Murders, and I think you're really going to like it. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join me as I examine the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers, dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. On Medical Murders, we'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow my new series, Medical Murders, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. By 1994, 30-year-old TV pitchman Don Lepree had reportedly made $40 million off his money-making secrets, a package of booklets and tapes offering tips on how to run a 900 number. 
Next, Lepre launched the National Lifetime Reminder Service. It promised to provide customers with a reminder call and the chance to buy a gift basket for every date they wanted to remember, like anniversaries, Valentine's Day, etc. Like most of Lepre's ventures, he wasn't really interested in making money off the product itself. Rather, the product provided the basis for a multi-level marketing scheme. In the case of the reminder service, clients purchased 100 membership kits for a total of $390. They would then try to sell each kit to new clients for $39 each. Since it was unlikely that anyone would manage to unload 100 kits, few clients made money. According to Laprie, the National Lifetime Reminder Service made $80,000 a day. It's safe to say that the lion's share of that money went to Laprie alone, and he used it to expand his fortune even further. By the late 90s, Laprie lauded over five interrelated companies, Tropical Beaches, New Strategies, Dolphin Media, Don's Making Money, and the National Lifetime Reminder Service. All were headquartered in a 36,000-square-foot building in Tempe, Arizona. There, 200 telemarketers toiled away under billboards decorated with skimpy models on tropical beaches. Employees were served catered meals every week. Lepree had plans to send 60 favored lackeys on a luxury cruise for the upcoming millennium. Life was good. But the good times wouldn't last. The master of tiny classified ads had his first serious roadblock in 1994. Lepree was forced to pay the state of Arizona unemployment and withholding taxes amounting to $45,000. Perhaps chump change for Lepree, but it turned out to be the precursor to a series of reprisals for Lepree's exploitative methods. In 1995, the Michigan Attorney General took action against him for failing to register his business in the Great Lakes State. Then, in 1997, the IRS filed a lien of nearly $1 million against Lepree and his wife for failing to pay delinquent taxes. That same year, Lepree bought his mother a $269,000 home in Prescott, Arizona. He signed a contract to have a $130,000 water feature constructed at the home, but was then sued for breach of contract and was forced to pay $40,000 to the contractor. It seemed nothing was going right for him. But Lepree refused to slow down. He was always on the lookout for a new hustle. For instance, like just about everyone during the dot-com bubble, Lepree thought he could make a fortune with the internet. He had been peddling the custom internet website setup guide for some time, where he explained to customers how to launch money-making websites without needing a computer. Then, in the late 90s, Lepree launched the Three Ways campaign, which, according to journalist Lee Farr, allowed clients to sell a package of three websites, a merchant account, and a net-based people locator service. If that sounds vague, then that was probably the point. Lepree never wanted it to be entirely clear what he was selling. After testing the waters with a dozen telemarketers, Lepree became convinced the Three Ways campaign would be a huge hit. 
he moved half his sales force to the program and even replaced the money-making infomercial with a three-ways one. But the campaign flopped. Within two months, it was costing his new strategies company $500,000 a week. Lepree tried to save the Three Ways campaign by pouring his own money into the struggling program. Nevertheless, the campaign bombed and Lepree lost millions. Lepree should have seen it was a lost cause. Yet according to the sunk cost fallacy, his behavior made sense. As regular listeners are probably aware, the sunk cost fallacy occurs when a personal group continues to believe a decision will work out positively for them even when that decision has only led to negative outcomes in the past. According to Doctor of Psychology and Social Policy Christopher Oliver, people get trapped in a sunk cost fallacy because of feelings of regret, loss, or a desire to convince themselves that they haven't wasted time, money, or energy. Having committed himself to the Three Ways campaign and convinced himself that it was going to be a success, Lepree struggled to accept the fact that it was failing. Rather than get out before he lost too much, Lepree tried to force the campaign to be a success so all of his prior investments would not be considered a waste. The Three Ways campaign was just one of several pipe dreams that became expensive duds. In 1997, Lepree transferred $4 million out of the Tropical Beaches Company and into a property investment near Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. With this money, Lepree bought nine acres of beachfront real estate on the northern tip of the Bay of Banderas, a property called La Playa Estates. He formed a corporation called Hidden Paradise with a man named Pedro Fernandez, and together, they intended to build and sell 18 detached beachside villas and 56 condominiums. They only completed a single clubhouse and two of the villas. A real estate broker who advised Lepree says the project failed because Lepree and Fernandez tried to pre-sell the villas and condos in an area that was difficult to get to. They were building a gated community in the middle of nowhere, nearly an hour from downtown Puerto Vallarta. Lepree sank $4 million in the project and got nothing out of it. As Farr put it, Lepree forsook his natural constituency, the Hoi Polloi, and tried his luck at selling to fellow millionaires with disastrous results. The Three Ways campaign and the land development project gutted Lepree's huckster empire. In 1999, Lepree filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on behalf of himself and all five of his companies. The filing listed assets of $9 million and liabilities of $12.5 million. Many employees were fired. They accused Lepree of owing them back wages. One former employee relates that when Lepree got up in front of his employees and announced that the company was going bankrupt, he wept and said, if I had a gun right now, I'd shoot myself. Lepree struggled to keep the money-making brand going. By early 2000, companies had received a new management team, while consultants reduced his operating expenses and convinced him to reduce his salary to a mere $500,000 a year. Electronic Clearinghouse, a credit processing merchant, lent New Strategies money 
and even considered merging with Lepre's businesses. Instead, Lepre's business assets were purchased and transmogrified into a new company, Universal Business Strategies. It was overseen by Joe Deal, the inventor of Vitamist, a vitamin spritz which customers sprayed into their mouths. Deal operated more or less exactly as Lepre had, even going as far as to air the same infomercials. Universal Business Strategies subsequently came under the same regulatory scrutiny as Lepre. The Arizona Attorney General ordered the company to stop making false claims that its potassium iodide spray product would protect consumers against thyroid cancer or nuclear radiation. Meanwhile, the king of tiny classified ads was down but not out. In his own words, I fail at more things than anyone I've ever met, but I try more things than anyone I've ever met. I'm a good loser. Lepre needed a plan to rebuild his fortune. His next efforts would involve conning over 200,000 people. Coming up, we'll explore how Lepre rebuilt his infomercial empire, only to lose it all over again. Now, back to the story. King of infomercials Don Lepre had made and lost a fortune in the mid-90s. In 2003, seeking to rebuild his infomercial empire, 40-year-old Lepre turned to fellow huckster Doug Grant and his nutritional supplements for help. According to Grant, at the age of 23, he suffered an accident which threatened to confine him to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. But a search for true health knowledge and a belief in the power of positive thinking led to a complete recovery. Grant then started a multi-level nutritional supplement company called Optimal Health Systems. Optimal Health Systems' success was based on recruiting chiropractors to push a digestive enzyme capsule onto patients, which they said was created by another company called Infinity. Part of the sales pitch involved something called live blood cell analysis, also known as live cell microscopy, or nutritional blood analysis. In this bogus procedure, a drop of blood from a patient's fingertip is placed under a dark field microscope and the image is then displayed on a TV monitor. The health professional looks at the image and tells the patient how their blood cells show signs of things like mild B12 deficiency or maldigestion or free radical damage. Often, these signs are in fact dirt on the microscope slides or the image simply being out of focus. In any case, the professional then recommends treatment with enzyme pills or other supplements, such as those peddled by Grant and Infinity. Contracted by Lepree, Grant developed a vitamin which he proclaimed revolutionary. Lepree decided to call it the greatest vitamin in the world. He formed a new company, Torica, in January 2003. In order to transmute the greatest vitamin into a fortune, Lepree fell back on his favorite sales tool, the infomercial. The new infomercial didn't try to sell the vitamin, however. Rather, it was to recruit customers into becoming independent advertisers. The idea was that these independent advertisers would convince others to go to the world's greatest vitamin website, where, presumably, they'd purchase the vitamin. 
According to the ad, nothing like this has ever been created until now. The ad said that the vitamin was created using chelated minerals and vegetable enzymes. Millions of dollars in research and a hundred studies by the New England Journal of Medicine were used in its creation. It had the most absorbable nutrients known to man, and it was possible that the vitamin could even reduce the odds of getting cancer. In fact, the ad continued, the vitamin could prevent or treat stress, obesity, acne, arthritis, diabetes, sleep disorders, heart disease, digestive problems, stroke, memory problems, vision loss, and depression. In reality, the world's greatest vitamin was essentially the same as vitamins found at any drugstore. Everything present in the world's greatest vitamin could be found in normal supplements for a lot less money, and any additional ingredients which may have been present would have been useless to the body. Lepre's ad was a complete work of fiction. But Lepree sold that fiction well. In one of the product's infomercials, busty women in low-cut tops attempted to bring in independent advertisers while glassy-eyed clodhoppers boasted of making thousands of dollars with virtually no effort. They explained the business model as such. Independent advertisers could join the sales force by paying $35, and they would receive $1,000 for every 20 people they got to try the world's greatest vitamin. The infomercial assured that selling the vitamin was a no-brainer because its website made it irresistible. The vitamin itself sold for $39.95, plus $8.65 for a one-month supply. Multiplied by 20, that comes out to not much less than the bonuses Lepre promised to pay out to independent advertisers. If that all sounds confusing, then that was the point. It was meant to be. And the math was not meant to add up. It seemed like, from the way Lepree set up the payout structure, that he would lose money when his clients were successful. But most multi-level marketing companies know that the vast majority of their clients won't make enough money to make up for their initial buy-in. Lepree must have known that the independent advertisers would never be able to sell enough to earn the commissions. The more advertisers, the more competition, and the less likely anyone besides Lepree would be able to make money. What's more, independent advertisers were not informed prior to their initial investment that in order to have a chance at making a profit, they would likely have to invest thousands of dollars in advertising. At the end of the day, it was a basic pyramid scheme. You pay to get into the system and are supposed to bring in 20 people, who each bring in another 20, and so on. An estimated 226,000 independent advertisers participated in the scheme between 2004 and 2007 and were defrauded of $50 million. Only about $6 million was made by all participants. While the scam was chugging along, Lepree raked in some serious dough. But the gravy train didn't last long. In July 2005, the Food and Drug Administration sent Lepree a letter warning him that the greatest vitamin in the world violated the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act. 
the FDA told Lepre to stop suggesting the vitamin could be used in the prevention or treatment of diabetes, depression, cancer, etc. In response to the FDA's warning, Lepre made minor adjustments to his website and then reached out to the agency to see if the changes were good enough. In April 2006, the FDA sent Lepre another letter warning him that he was still in violation of federal regulation. They noted that his website was now making unsubstantiated claims in the form of personal testimonials, such as, quote, I've lived in a house that had mold in it. I became very, very ill. Once I started on the world's greatest vitamin, the pain completely left my body. Another humdinger from Lepre's website stated, I have been treated for clinical depression for the past several years and none of the medications I was using seemed to work. I was introduced to the greatest vitamin in the world. Now that I am taking this vitamin, I am feeling the best I have in years. I don't get sick anymore like I used to. The FDA again told Lepre to stop claiming his vitamin had miraculous properties. He appeared to brush this warning aside as well because in 2007, the US Postal Inspection Service served him a warrant, forcing him to shutter his greatest vitamin in the world business. Lepre, however, never stopped hustling. He toyed with the idea of night trading for people who want to trade stocks while they sleep. He advertised a 60-day marketing course called Web Freedom Now. The course offered to teach internet and direct marketing for the low, low price of $295. But as the decade came to a close, Lepre's flim-flamming days were done. In June 2011, Lepre received an indictment from the U.S. Attorney's Office charging him with 41 counts of conspiracy, mail fraud, wire fraud, and promotional money laundering. With the possibility of 25 years of jail ahead, Lepre went into a spiral of deep depression and was ultimately arrested in a gym in Arizona where he seemed to have been hiding from authorities. He was found with deep cuts in his groin area, apparently the result of an attempt to kill himself by severing his femoral artery. On October 2, 2011, two days before his trial would begin, Lepre sliced his own throat with a razor blade, committing suicide in his jail cell. In the lead-up to his death, Lepre, perhaps already determined to take his own life, posted the following message on his website. I tried to create the best product on earth, made very little trying to make it a success, had attorneys review my entire company, paid out millions in refunds, tried to make the commission and products better every single year, and in spite of all that, I have been accused of something I did not do. I did not have the perfect company, but never once did I allow one thing to be done that would violate any law. Nevertheless, because the majority of people did not make money, in spite of every one of them being able to make as many thousand-dollar checks as they wanted, I am left to fight a battle that will for sure destroy what energy I have left inside. It did not work out for me with my vitamins, but I believe that being willing to fail is part of having a chance at success. 
Don Lepre was, in his way, rather fearless. He put himself in front of the camera and sold a dream to hundreds of thousands of Americans. He failed time and time again, but always bounced back until he didn't. Whatever fear he had about being exposed as a cheat was far outweighed by his desire to be successful. Maybe he really did believe he could help others be successful too. Or maybe he was just a good salesman. Thanks for listening to Con Artists. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Con Artists and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Con Artists for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Con Artists on Spotify, just open the app and type Con Artists in the search bar. I'll see you next time. Con Artist was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Mike Ramos, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Con Artist was written by Devin Hughes, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Alastair Murden. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to subscribe to my new podcast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. I'm so proud of this show and can't wait for you to check it out. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.